Hello everyone, welcome back to our SIBKL online service. It's great to be here, still in the midst of our Revelation series. Today, we have landed on church number 5 out of 7. And my name is John, by the way, one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to bring to you the Word of God today. Now, church number 5 of 7 is a church known as Sardis. And I've titled my sermon today as The Walking Dead. The Church of Sardis, The Walking Dead. Let's go into Scripture. Turn with me to your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to be reading from verse 1 to 6. This is the letter from John the Apostle inspired by the Holy Spirit, a message from Jesus Himself. He tells this to the Church of Sardis, chapter 3, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at, a, at what time I will come to you. Verse 4, Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge him, will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So a little bit of background on the city of Sardis, where this church is located to which this letter was written to. Sardis was about 50 kilometers away from the other uh, city, the one, the other church, right? The one uh, that was mentioned before, this Titeria, about 50 kilometers. It was actually on a, it was actually a plateau elevated about 1,500 feet above a valley below called the Hermes Valley. It was at the foot of this mountain called Mount Timulus. So because of the way this city was placed or located, it was actually extremely perfect almost for a place to have a fortress because it was only accessible by this one small sliver of road which was winding and not only was it winding, it was very steep. So the city of Sardis seemed at face value almost impregnable. That they could not reach it and they did not have to worry about its defences. But yet, this city was actually penetrated or fell twice in its history. One time was in about 500 BC where it was, uh, where the Persian army led by Cyrus actually managed to come into the city through the front door. And the reason why Cyrus and the Persian army was successful, it was because the king at that point of time, King Crocus, he and his entire army, they were so 
convinced that there was no way anybody would actually bother hiking up that small and steep and winding road to get to our city. In fact, he thought, you know what? Let's go and sleep, have a night's sleep. In the morning, we will get up and we will get ready for our defenses. They will not make it in time. But needless to say, the army actually made it true while the defenses remained asleep. The second time the city of Sardis was actually penetrated, it was in some time about 200 BC, where Greek forces actually found an alternate route. Now this time, the people of Sardis were a little bit smarter. They decided, we are going to be watching our front door. But little did they know, the Greeks actually employed a Cretan climber, a rock climber. Those of you who know rock climbing, right? this is where it comes handy. You can um, sell your services to armies looking to, to invade impregnable fortresses. So this Cretan climber, he actually scaled the mountain and he found an alternate route into the city. So the Greeks managed to invade and conquer the city because the rest of the Sardis army was watching only the front door. And by the time John the Apostle writes to the church in Sardis, the city had already lost much of its appeal. It was, it was once wealthy, it was once known for its culture, but by this point of time, the letter was received by Sardis. Um, the, the city had already become a normal, mundane city. And it was also subject to a lot of earthquakes and all these different things. But let's look into... So that, that, I'll come back to, to that point in a little bit. But let's look now at how Jesus introduced himself to the church. Himself to the church. Jesus introduced himself, uh, calls himself the seven spirits and seven stars. Now, that alludes to probably Isaiah 11 verse 1 and 2 where it says this, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From the, his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. This is the sevenfold spirit of God resting upon Jesus as prophesied in the book of Isaiah. And elsewhere, Zechariah 4 verse 10 says this, Who dares despise the day of small things, since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Now, as I mentioned in my overview, if you have um, seen that sermon, if you remember that sermon, seven is a number of perfection or completion. So Jesus has a sevenfold Spirit of God, meaning He's all-knowing, all-powerful. But Zechariah also mentions that He has seven eyes. Now, I don't believe the Lord has literal seven eyes. That will be pretty unnerving to look at. But what I believe is that the Lord sees all and He knows all. Even in this church, where it's in a city where which had lost its former glory, a city where did not seem like much is happening. The Lord knows what the church was going through. In fact, it is not what it seems, the Lord says about this church. It is not what it seems. The church is 
a walking dead. You know when you hear the phrase, it is not what it seems, many things come to my mind. The one thing is those of us who grew up in Asian households. If you go to your freezer, you open up your freezer and you see a tub of ice cream. You know it is not as it seems. Because as you open up that freezer, you will either find frozen curry chicken or you will find frozen fish. Right? You got excited ice cream, but then no, it's frozen meat. And when I think of going to funerals, uh, I'm sure some, most of you would have, would have been to a funeral. Some of you have lost people that you love. I've lost a couple of people I love. And one thing about funerals, if you know how it works, is that what they would do is they would prepare the corpse uh, for burial. They would actually clean the corpse up. They would actually put makeup. They would put on the, 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 the person's, um, the departed's favorite clothes, their best outfit, and their favorite things and all that. So it looks like that person is alive on the outside because they're wearing clothes and all that. But we know that that person has already gone. And if you watch the show, The Walking Dead, I don't know whether you know that show. Uh, I'm still kind of like hanging on to that show even though I, 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 I recognize that it's not been great since like season six or seven. It's about zombies, by the way. And if you know how, if you've seen those, any shows with zombies in them, they look like they are alive. They're walking but they are not really alive. And this is what Jesus says about the church in Sardis. That you are alive or you have a name and a reputation of being alive, but in re reality, you are dead. You have the outward signs of life, but internally, you are not alive. You could be breathing, but you are not alive. Many of us, as Christians, could be like that as well. Now, I will, I will suggest three signs that a dead church or a dead Christian displays. Number one is this, information without revelation. In our Christian life, we will gather a lot of information. We will go to many Bible studies. We will listen to many sermons and attend many seminars. But all of that information is no use if it just remains in our head and does not go down to our heart and is translated into our lives. Many people can quote scripture or they can know what the Bible says about this and that, but it does not line up to the way they live. Information without transformation. A test of a person's faith or Christianity is not just what they do on a Sunday, but how they live out their Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. The second sign of a dead church is this. Ritual without revelation. We know all the things that we need to do in church. We know where to sit. We know where to stand up. We know when to put our hands up. We know all these different things. We know what the do's and don'ts. We have all these traditions and customs that we, we hold on to. We know what we should wear, we shouldn't wear, and all of that. But it is all just routine. It is just a ritual. It is just going through the motions without actually recognizing the why behind the what or even the who behind the what. 
It is very easy to get into a mode of religion, to have the outward sign of faith, but have no inward reality. The third thing is this, a sign of a dead church that we have service without seeking. What do I mean by that? Many of us, we are so busy for the Lord, but we don't actually seek Him. We have we, we, we work for Him, but we don't have a relationship with Him. All this activity, all these things that we do for Him, all these things that we, we, we supposedly are doing for the kingdom of God, does not replace or does not necessarily result in an actual relationship with Him. And as Christians, what we can do is that we can often just go through the motions and we end up just occupying space instead of taking territory as what the Bible tells us to. It is almost like the church, instead of being a movement, we have now become a monument. Many churches have nice and glamorous buildings. In fact, if you go to certain parts of Europe, you can go and see all the nice chapels and cathedrals, the stained glass, the high steeples and all that. Beautiful. But inside, it's empty. It's dead. Many churches have conferences, events, seminars, and all these different things, and even services packed with people. But the reality is it could be just people coming for the sake of coming. The people may, fee- may fill the pews, but as Christ fill their hearts. That is what Jesus is talking about here. That we just have nice church. Nice church. In fact, this church in Sardis is so nice that if you notice, compared to all the other churches, the devil actually ignores this church. This church is not under any form of persecution or slander. And it is not even under any trial. It's just going along. It's just nice. Why? Perhaps because they are ineffective for the Lord. In fact, when the enemy comes and attacks us or when things happen to us, sometimes it's actually a sign that we are on the right track, that we are doing the right thing. But when everything all seems well, that's when we should worry. We should start thinking, why? Why? Now, I'm not saying let's go and attract the devil. But what I'm saying is that let's take stock and see what happens. So here in the scripture, Jesus tells this church that you need to wake up. You need to wake up. So my first point is this, to come back alive, we need to realize, we need to wake up as Jesus says. Like the city of Sardis, the first time they were invaded, what were they doing? They were sleeping. They were just taking it for granted. They thought, no way the the army could come and get us. They were sleeping. If they had woken up just to keep watch, they would have seen the army coming and they would have saved their city. And it's not just about the deeds even. It's not just even about about looking at at one area. Because you remember the second time the city fell, they were now watching the front door, but the Cretan led the Greek army from the back door and they came and they fell. So here's the thing. It's not just important to watch over our service and our activity. In fact, the abundance of activity 
is not a sign of true, genuine spirituality. We could be so busy, we could be doing, but we need to have a complete view. That's why the scripture says to wake up, strengthen what remains, for your deeds remain unfinished. The second thing to come back alive is this to rekindle. We must shake up and we must size up what we are going through. Shake up and size up. Why were the deeds unfinished? Because as I mentioned, like the city, they were just looking at the front door when they should have been on watch all out. Even though they were on high, they were on high ground, they should have kept watch. And in the same way, a lot of times, we pay attention to our service and to our activity for God, but we don't pay attention to our relationship and to our hearts for Him or our hearts towards God. You see, Matthew 7, 22-23, I'm going to read from a message version, not a version that I like a whole lot, but I believe it carries the point through. It says this, Knowing the correct password, saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience. Doing what my Father wills. I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed demons. Our super spiritual projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You've missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You are out of here. Let's not just look to our service, but let's look to our relationship with God as well. Are our hearts burning with desire, burning with passion for God and not just doing things for God? In fact, do you know that serving someone is the lowest form of relationship you can have with them? If you have a boss, you serve your boss. You would listen to your boss's instructions. You would do what he tells you to do. If you have people working under you, people do tasks for you. Yes, but in those dynamics, there may be no relationship. There's a lot of doing, but there's very little relating. I'm not saying serving is wrong or serving is bad. I'm saying that it is what, as Jesus says to this church, it is incomplete. It is incomplete. Don't just stop at serving or, or only start at serving. We have to continue now building a relationship, a genuine one with God. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 to 2 says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I have gained nothing. It is incomplete when we only serve God, but we do not seek Him for the rest of our lives. Or we only give Sunday or, or all the other little days, you know, for ourselves, or our ministries. Or, and it's all good. I commend all and I encourage and I, I applaud all of you who continue to faithfully serve God and build His church. But it's incomplete when we get busy for God and do all of that, but our hearts are still far 
away from Him. That we don't have a real, vibrant relationship with God. What is the greatest commandment? Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40. You know this scripture. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And what does Jesus say? It is upon all the law of the prophets that hangs on these two commandments. Do you know God or just know about Him? In this day and age, it is very easy to mistake the two because you can know about someone a lot. If you have Instagram or if you have the internet, you can go and find out about a particular celebrity, world leader or sports person. You can know all the details about their lives. But do you actually know them? Just because you follow someone on Instagram and you know where they have been, you know what car they drive, you know where they like to go for dinner, you know what their hobbies are, you know all these things, but it just stays as that, knowing about. You don't actually know this person. And in the same way, we can know a lot about Jesus, but do we really know Him for ourselves? That's what the charge of Jesus to the church of Sardis is. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains for your deeds remain unfinished. And that's a challenge for us as well. To wake up and to strengthen whatever faith that we have that remains because if we don't focus on our relationship and only our serving, our deeds remain unfinished. And our relationship is in danger of dying. Do you know that? Because in my many years of ministry, I have seen the most faithful, the most loyal, the most committed people walk away from God. These are the people who volunteer at every conference. These are the people who turn up to church early every weekend. But yet, at the end of the day, they still walk away. I'm not judging them, but I will almost now dare suggest that perhaps there was a missing element of relationship with God that caused them to walk away. Because you don't walk away from lack of activity from something or someone. You walk away from the lack of relationship. And after we come alive, we need to remain alive. That's what Jesus says. If you look at Revelation chapter 3 again, verse 3 says this, Remember, therefore what you have received and heard, hold it fast and repent. So now I want to switch gears a little bit. I've talked about how can we come back alive. Now I want to tell us how we can remain alive based on this scripture. Number one is we need to remember what we have heard. Remember all the sermons, all the times we have encountered God, all the breakthroughs and all the miracles that we have received. We need to remember. One, Joshua 1 verse 7 to 8 says this, Be strong and very courageous a scripture many of us are very familiar with. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right and to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the, this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I'm going to look at this other part of this scripture. The strong, strong and courageous part, very popular, all of us know it. 
I'm going to look at this part that's less talked about. Meditate on it day and night. Now, this word meditate, in the English, we would think of yoga or meditation, um, you know, empty your mind kind of thing. But in the Hebrew, the word meditate is the word hagar, and that is to tell yourself, to utter to oneself, to speak back to yourself. Joshua is being told, meditate on the Word of God. Think upon it. Speak it back to yourselves. Speak it over your life. Remember the things that God has done for you. Remember your first love. Remember your first encounter. Remember why you are a Christian. Ask yourself that question. Why do I do what I do? Why am I a Christian? Why am I still logging on week in, week out, even though that's a great thing to do? You know, why am I still doing this? Do I walk in revelation or obligation? The second thing to do to remain alive is to retain. Because God says, remember what you first heard and hold fast to it. Retain. 1 John 3 verse 24 says this, those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with Him and He with them. And we know He lives in us because the Spirit He gives us lives in us. We all know this, that we, it is not enough to just be hearers of the Word, but we need to be doers as well. And when, listen to this. When you follow the ways of God, you will flow into the will of God. That is God's principle. That's a kingdom principle right there. Sometimes you can be so preoccupied. How do I know the will of God? How do I know to go here, to go there? What's God's plan for me? But recognize this. Destiny is achieved on a journey called obedience. One second, one step at a time. If you follow the ways of God, if you live every day in submission and obedience to Him, even doing the mundane things, one day God's destiny will come upon you. One day you will walk into what God has planned for you. All you need to do is worry about your obedience and let God work out the plan. Retain what you have heard. Hold on to it and you will remain spiritually alive. The third thing is this, we need to repent. We need to repent. The scripture says, remember what you first heard, hold fast to it and repent. And what is repentance? Repentance is just turning away from our old ways and turning back to God. But the thing about repentance, it is not a once-off thing. It is a continuous thing. Kind of like how when Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must take up your cross, what? Daily and deny yourself. It's an everyday decision. Acts 3 verse 19, and I'm going to read the RSV version, not a version quoted quite often, but it says this, Repent therefore and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out at times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Every day we need to make a decision. I'm going to walk right by the Lord. I'm going to walk closer to God. I'm not going to allow, not going to allow anything to come close between me and God. And that is what we need to do to remain spiritually alive. Not to just go on our own way and think that we can make it on our own, but to continuously come back to God and allow the Holy Spirit to direct us back and closer to Him. And, as we do all that, as we come back alive and remain alive, Jesus promises some rewards to the church of Sardis 
and that is applicable to us as well. The first thing is this, the rewards, three Cs. One is this clothing, the clothing, the white garments. Now, what is this white garment? Romans 13 verse 11 to 14 says this, Do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. That's the theme of waking up again. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in daytime, not carousing and, and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. The Bible here talks about clothing ourselves. You see, when you clothe yourself, it's an intentional act. What I'm wearing here today, what you are wearing here today, you didn't just wake up and, you know, birds and, and mice like Cinderella came and just like dressed you like that. It didn't happen, right? Your aircon didn't blow in a gushing wind and the clothes just went, bloop, okay, I'm wearing these clothes. No, you chose the outfit you want to put on and you wore it. Now, maybe some of us put more thought into what we wear, but the point is this, there is a form of intentionality. Are you going to put on Christ? And when you put on Christ, that is the greatest reward. Why? Because you're putting on peace. You're putting on empowerment. You're putting on victory. What are you putting on? And the Bible also says in Revelation 3 of Sardis that some people are walking in the white garments already. And that's an encouragement for us. That some of us may be part of ministries and all that. Now, you see, if the message doesn't apply to you and you feel like, no, I'm doing okay, then you are one of these few that you are already wearing the white clothes. But if it doesn't, if you feel like some part of you has been challenged and been tugged, then as Jesus continuously say throughout Revelations and throughout these seven churches, seven letters, he who has ears, let him hear. Siapa ya makan chili dan ya rasa pedas, right? If the shoe fits, then wear it and respond to the word. Respond to the word. The second reward is this, certainty. The book of life. We will have certainty if we are continuously alive in God. What is the book of life? Revelation 20 verse 15 says this, Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. You know, Jesus promises that the, your name in the book of Sardis, or in the, sorry, in the book of Revelation to the church in Sardis, Jesus says, that if you were to come alive again and remain alive, your name will not be blotted out from the book of life. Does that imply that your name can actually be erased? Now, I don't want to get into that, but having your name in the book of life essentially means that you are, that you are a child of God, that you are a citizen in heaven, that in, in the end, God is going to redeem you and save you and you will not be sent to eternal punishment or condemnation. But the point is this, when we walk in relationship with God, we will have certainty, we will not fear of our salvation. So I'm not here to debate whether your name can or cannot be, be erased from the book of life. I'm here to tell you 
that if you remain spiritually alive and your heart is awakened to God, you can have certainty of your salvation. And the last reward that Christ promises here is His confession. And that is acknowledgement. Matthew 10 verse 32, Jesus also said this in the Gospels, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And that is a great reward. I don't know whether you've ever been to a place where you're not very familiar. Maybe it's like a, an important meeting or maybe it's like a backstage to a big event somewhere. But it's very daunting when you walk into a room and you don't know anyone. <laughs> you, you're not sure what you're doing there. I remember one of the first few times I actually went to a church and I was really young. But when I walked into this place, uh, I was supposed to meet my friend there. My friend said, come along and I'll bring you to, I'll bring you to church. And I was supposed to meet my friend there. But when I went to that place, there were a lot of strangers, a lot of people I have not seen before and I was looking for my friend. And, and amongst the crowd, I saw my friend and I went up to him. He turned around and he said, Hey, everybody, I know this guy. This is my friend. Please welcome him. And then everybody turned around or everybody from looks of like suspicion. Like, Who's that? Who's that? They go, Oh, okay, you're, you're new here. You're a friend. Come, hello. Can, can you imagine that is God? That wherever we walk before, when we stand before God, the Father, God, the Judge, when we stand before everyone, Jesus says, I know Him. Now, think about it on the flip side. Can you imagine if I went to that place and my friend who supposedly invited me said, I don't know this guy, who is this? Imagine the fear and the embarrassment that I would have felt. And here's the thing, like I quoted in Matthew chapter 7, we don't want to come to a point when it finally happens to us that Jesus says, I don't know you. And we can go, but I did all these things for you, God. I, 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 I preached the gospel. I, I cast out demons. I healed the sick. But Jesus, I don't know you. Be gone from me. Because Jesus is not just looking for our service. He is looking for our hearts. And when we have that, we will have His acknowledgement and we will know that God is with us. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, in response, I want us to think about where we are in our walk with God today. Are we merely serving Him? Or do we have a close relationship with Him? Is there an area in our life where we need to repent and we need to turn back to God? Let's think about that for a few moments. And even as you do that, let's go into this song and let's worship Him. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, friends and faith family, as I bring this message to you today, it's not a, it's not a message that I want to use to condemn anyone, but hopefully to convict someone. Therefore, many of us, you know, we could be so busy with life and life gets the better of us. And sometimes we drift away from God. But I want to encourage you, take this time and opportunity right now to renew and rededicate your hearts to Him. For those of you who know that you need to recommit your relationship to Him, just to create, to make room and make space to just encounter God 
once again. And I also want to especially now mention and pray for those of you who are fearful. Fearful of what? You are unsure about where you stand with God. For some of us, we serve and we do a lot because we think that is the way to actually get God's approval. Now, serving in itself is not wrong. But I want to encourage you and I want to tell you that God doesn't just want our hands and feet. God wants our heart. God wants a relationship with Him. And for some of us, that's a very strange concept. What does it mean to relate to Him? It simply just means this, to read His Word, to spend time in prayer, to worship Him, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And it doesn't need to be exciting and mind-blowing all the time. It's like a relationship, you know, where you go on a date with someone. After a while, it's not going to be all butterflies and 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 warm fuzzies. All the, you know, it, a lot of times, it's just spending time in the company of that person. Would you spend time in the company of the Holy Spirit and allow His gentle voice to speak life into you and to guide you back? Let me just pray for each and every one of us now. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for the word that was spoken today. Lord, I pray for those of us who are far away, who need to reevaluate. I pray that by the gentle leading and prodding of your Holy Spirit, you would bring us back to you. You will cause our hearts to turn back to you, that we will not just be so focused on the outward acts of religion or spirituality, but we will look inwards. We want our hearts to be transformed by you. We want our lives to be conformed to your word and not to the patterns of this world, Jesus. And Lord, for those of us who are fearful, for those of us who are uncertain, who think that you are just a harsh taskmaster, no God, I pray that right now may the love of the Father illuminate their hearts and cause them to remember that you are a God that loves them and wants a relationship with them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless every single person listening in. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Listen, if you need more prayer, if you want someone to pray along with you, could you do me a favor and go to this link that is now going to be shown on the screen. Go to this link. There will be people there who will pray with you, pray for you. And whatever needs that you may have, if you want to respond some more to the message or even if it's not related to the message but you just have some needs, can I encourage you to go to that link right now. And for those of you who are maybe listening on to this message but you are not part of any church and you have not connected to our church either, you're not plugged into a small group or a ministry, can I now encourage you to go to this other link that's going to be shown on the screen. Please connect with us. Please stay connected in community, especially in this uncertain time because together we will overcome. That is the theme of our church this year, the togetherness and together we will overcome. Thank you so much again. That's all from me today. God bless you. Have a wonderful week ahead and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.